Chapter Sixteen of the Story of Eclipses. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kathleen. The Story of Eclipses by George Chambers. Eclipses of the Moon mentioned in history. We saw in a previous chapter that we owe to the Chinese the first record of an eclipse of the sun it must now be stated that the same remark applies to the first recorded eclipse of the moon and professor s m russell is again our authority he refers to a book called the chu shu or book of the chu dynasty said to have been found in two hundred eighty a d in the tomb of an emperor who lived many centuries previously in this book it is stated that in the thirty-fifth year of wen wang on the day ping chu there was an eclipse of the moon russell finds that this event may be assigned to january twenty ninth eleven thirty six b c and that the eclipse was total next after this chinese eclipse in point of time come several eclipses recorded by ptolemy on the authority of records collected or examined by himself the three earliest of these came from chaldean sources the first of these eclipses was observed at babylon in the twenty-seventh year of the era of nabonassar the first of the reign of mardokempadius on the twenty-ninth of the egyptian month toth answering to march nineteenth seven hundred twenty one b c the eclipse began before moonrise and the middle of the totality appears to have occurred at nine hours thirty minutes p m the other two eclipses also observed at babylon occurred on march eighth seven hundred twenty b c and september one in the same year respectively three other lunar eclipses recorded by ptolemy assisted sir i newton in fixing the terminus a quo from which the seventy weeks of years were to run which the prophet daniel predicted were to elapse before the death of christ this terminus a quo dates from the restoration of the jews under artaxerxes four hundred fifty seven b c the three eclipses which newton made use of were those of july sixteen five hundred twenty three november nineteen five hundred two and april twenty five four hundred ninety one b c aristophanes in the clouds lines five hundred sixty one to sixty six makes an allusion to which has been supposed but probably without adequate warrant in spineham's opinion to refer to an eclipse of the moon the eclipse october nine four hundred twenty five b c has moreover been suggested as that referred to but the whole idea seems to me too shadowy an eclipse of the moon took place in the fourth year of the ninety-first olympiad answering to august twenty seven four hundred thirteen b c which produced very disastrous consequences to an athenian army owing to the ignorance and incapacity of nicias the commander the army was in sicily confronted by a syracusan army and having failed more or less and sickness having broken out it was decided that the athenians should embark and quit the island plutarch in his life of nicias says everything accordingly was prepared for embarkation and the enemy paid no attention to these movements because they did not expect them but in the night there happened an eclipse of the moon at which nicias and all the rest were struck with a great panic either through ignorance or superstition 
as for an eclipse of the sun which happens at the conjunction even the common people had some idea of its being caused by the interposition of the moon but they could not easily form a conception by the interposition of what body the moon when at the full should suddenly lose her light and assume such a variety of colors they looked upon it therefore as a strange and preternatural phenomenon a sign by which the gods announced some great calamity and the calamity came to pass but only indirectly was it caused by the moon plutarch and pliny both mentioned that eleven days before the victory of alexander over darius at arbella in assyria there was an eclipse of the moon plutarch's words life of alexander are that there happened an eclipse of the moon about the beginning of the festival of the great mysteries at athens the eleventh night after that eclipse the two armies being in view of each other darius kept his men under arms and took a general review of his troops by torchlight this seems to have led to a great deal of disorderly tumult in the assyrian camp a fact which was noticed by alexander several of his friends urged him to make a night attack on the enemy's camp but he preferred that his macedonians should have a good night's rest and it was then that he uttered the celebrated answer i will not steal a victory plutarch enters upon some rather interesting moral reflections connected with this answer but which of course are foreign to the subject of this volume this eclipse happened on september twenty three hundred thirty one b c and was total the middle of the eclipse being at about eight fifteen p m it follows therefore that the celebrated battle of arbella was fought on october one three hundred thirty one b c in two hundred nineteen b c an eclipse of the moon was seen in mycia according to polybius the date of september one has been assigned for this eclipse which is said to have so greatly alarmed some gaulish mercenary troops in the service of attalus king of pergamos that he had to get rid of them as soon as he could make terms with them to go home on the eve of the battle of pina when perseus king of macedonia was conquered by paulus a Aemilius, there happened an eclipse of the moon plutarch in his life of paulus a Aemilius, speaking of his army having settled down in a camp says when they had supped and were thinking of nothing but going to rest on a sudden the moon which was then at full and very high began to be darkened and after changing into various colors was at last totally eclipsed the romans according to their custom made a great noise by striking upon vessels of brass and held up lighted faggots and torches in the air in order to recall her light but the macedonians did no such thing horror and astonishment seized their whole camp and a whisper passed among the multitude that this appearance portended the fall of the king as for aemilius he was not entirely unacquainted with this matter he had heard of the elliptic inequalities which bring the moon at certain periods under the shadow of the earth and darken her till she has passed that quarter of obscurity and receives light from the sun again nevertheless as he was wont to ascribe most events to the deity was a religious observer of sacrifices and of the art of divination he offered up to the moon eleven heifers as soon as he saw her regain her former lustre at break of day he also sacrificed oxen to hercules to the number of twenty without any auspicious sign but in the twenty-first the desired tokens appeared and he announced victory to his troops provided they stood upon the defensive the astronomical knowledge ascribed in this account to paulus aemilius constitutes a very interesting feature 
in this record because the romans though they were good at most things were by no means adepts at the science of astronomy livy tells us that sulpicius gallus one of the roman tribunes foretold this eclipse first to the consul and then with his leave to the army whereby that terror which eclipses were wont to breed in ignorant minds was entirely taken off and the soldiers more and more disposed to confide in officers of so great wisdom and of such general knowledge this eclipse is often identified with that of june twenty one one hundred sixty eight b c but johnson gives reasons why this cannot be the case and that the eclipse in question was that which happened on the night of june ten to eleven one hundred sixty seven b c and commenced about midnight whereas the eclipse of one hundred sixty eight b c was nearly over when the moon was above the horizon at rome stockwell however fixes on the eclipse of september three one hundred seventy two b c as that which was connected with the battle of pydna josephus speaking of the barbarous acts of herod says and that very night there was an eclipse of the moon there had been some controversy respecting the identification of this eclipse the only one mentioned by josephus which also is associated with herod's last illness it not having been easy to reconcile some discordant chronological statements connected with the length of herod's reign and the date when he began to reign on the whole probably we shall be safe in saying that the reference is to the eclipse of march thirteen four b c this was a partial eclipse to the extent of less than half the moon's diameter a defalcation of light sufficient however to attract public notice even at three a m seeing that no doubt even at that hour the streets of jerusalem were in a state of turmoil owing to the burning alive by herod of some seditious rabbis it should be stated however that hind assigns the account by josephus to the eclipse which occurred on january nine one b c on this occasion the moon passed nearly centrally through the earth's shadow soon after midnight emerging at two fifty seven a m on the early morning of january ten local mean time at jerusalem tacitus mentions an eclipse of the moon as having happened soon after the death of augustus this has been identified with the eclipse of september twenty seven a d fourteen tacitus says the moon in the midst of a clear sky became suddenly eclipsed the soldiers who were ignorant of the cause took this for an omen referring to their present adventures to their labors they compared the eclipse of the planet and prophesied that if to the distressed goddess should be restored her wonted brightness and splendor equally successful would be the issue of their struggle hence they made a loud noise by ringing upon brazen metal and by blowing trumpets and cornets as she appeared brighter or darker they exalted or lamented there was an eclipse of the moon on the generally recorded date of the crucifixion of our lord april three a d thirty three hind found that our satellite emerged from the earth's dark shadow about a quarter of an hour before she rose at jerusalem six hours thirty six minutes p m but the penumbra continued upon her disk for an hour afterwards on january one a d forty seven a total eclipse of the moon was seen at rome and on the same night an island rose up in the aegean sea 
the total eclipse of february twenty two a d seventy two noted by pliny is the first in which it is recorded that sun and moon were both visible at the same time the eclipse occurring when the sun was rising and the moon setting trithenius speaks of an eclipse of the moon observed in the time of morovius johnson identifies it with the eclipse of september fifteen four hundred fifty two a d it was from morovius that the line of french kings known as morovigians received their name on april sixteen a d six hundred eighty three according to nastasius the papal historian the moon for nearly the whole night exhibited a blood-red appearance and did not emerge from obscurity till cock growing in a d six hundred ninety an eclipse of the moon was observed in wales we are told that the moon was turned to the color of blood this would seem to be the first eclipse of the moon recorded in britain the anglo-saxon chronicle tells us that in a d seven hundred thirty four the moon was as if it had been sprinkled with blood and archbishop tatwine and beda died and egberth was hallowed bishop the intended inference apparently is that the moon had something to do with the deaths of the two ecclesiastics but this story will not hold water beda it may be remarked is the correct name of the man generally known to us as the venerable Bede it is evident that from the description of the moon it exhibited on that occasion the well-known coppery hue which is a recognized feature of many total eclipses of our satellite this eclipse occurred on january twenty four beginning at about one a m on the night of january twenty three a d seven hundred fifty three the moon was covered with a horrid black shield this is the record of an eclipse it occurred at about midnight and apparently we are entitled to infer that on this occasion the moon disappeared altogether instead of being discoverable during the total phase by exhibiting a coppery hue in a d seven hundred fifty five or seven hundred fifty six in orridge on november twenty three there happened an exceedingly interesting event which stands i think without a precedent in the annals of science an eclipse of the moon contemporaneous with an occultation of a planet by the moon this singular combination is thus described in the annals of roger d hovenden on the eighth day before the calends of december the moon on her fifteenth day being about her full appeared to be covered with the colour of blood and then the darkness decreasing she returned to her usual brightness but in a wondrous manner a bright star followed the moon and passing across her preceded her when shining at the same distance which it had followed her before she was darkened the details here given are not astronomically quite correct but let that pass the writer's intention is fairly clear calculation shows that the eclipse occurred on november twenty three and that the planet which was jupiter was concealed in the evening by the moon for about an hour from seven hours thirty minutes to eight hours thirty minutes p m the immersion taking place about the end of the total phase this is the first occultation of a star or planet by the moon observed and recorded in england under the year seven hundred ninety five the anglo-saxon chronicle says in this year the moon was eclipsed between cock-crowing and dawn on the fifth of the calends of april and erdwolf succeeded to the kingdom of the northumbrians on the second of the ides of may this signifies that the eclipse happened on march twenty eighth between three hours and six hours in the morning the method of dividing the hours of night into equal portions of three hours each being still in use there was no eclipse in seven hundred ninety five on the date in question but there was one in seven hundred ninety six 
so we may suppose an error in the year this assumed johnson found that the eclipse began at four hours a m was total for nearly an hour and ended at about seven and a half hours so that the moon set eclipsed but the above assumption is dispensed with by lynn who substitutes one of his own for a fifth of the calends he reads fifth of the ides which means april nine and on that day in seven hundred ninety five he says there was an eclipse of the moon but i have not found any other record of it in the year a d eight hundred according to the anglo-saxon chronicle the moon was eclipsed at the second hour of the night eight hours p m on the seventeenth day of the calends of february johnson finds that there was an eclipse of the moon on january fifteenth the middle of the eclipse occurred at eight hours thirty four minutes nine tenths of the moon's upper limb having been obscured under the date of eight hundred six the anglo-saxon chronicle says this year was the moon eclipsed on the calends first of september and erd wolf king of the northumbrians was driven from his kingdom and anberth bishop of hexham died this eclipse was total the totality lasting from nine hours thirty seven minutes to ten hours fifty nine minutes p m on february fifteen eight hundred seventeen according to the annals fall dunzen an eclipse of the moon was observed in the early evening at paris and on the same night a comet was seen this comet is described by another authority as a monstrous one and as being in sagittarius on february five the chinese date it for february seventeen and place it near the stars a and y tauri in eight hundred twenty eight two lunar eclipses were seen in europe the first on july one very early in the morning and the second on the morning of christmas day the anglo-saxon chronicle thus speaks of the second eclipse in this year the moon was eclipsed on midwinter's mass night and the same year king egbreth subdued the kingdom of the mercians and all that was south of the humber the totality occurred after midnight there is some confusion in the year of this eclipse the chronicle giving it as eight hundred twenty seven whilst calculation shows that it must have been eight hundred twenty eight lynn defines midwinter's mass night as christmas eve under the date of nine hundred four the anglo-saxon chronicle says in this year the moon was eclipsed there were two total eclipses of the moon this year one on may thirty one and the other on november twenty five and it does not appear which one is referred to in the chronicle cited another writer sidrenus speaks of a great eclipse of the moon this year which he says foretold the death of a kinsman of the emperor on october six one thousand nine there was a total eclipse of the moon which presumably is referred to in the statement that this year the moon was changed into blood on november eight ten forty four there was a large partial eclipse in the morning raoul glaber a french chronicler who died about ten fifty comments upon it thus in what manner it happened whether a prodigy brought to the pass by the deity or by the intervention of some heavenly body remains known to the author of knowledge for the moon herself became like dark blood only getting clear of it a little before the dawn truly those times were the dark ages in which ignorance and folly were rampant seeing that more than one thousand years previously the greeks knew all about the causes of eclipses under ten seventy eight the anglo-saxon chronicle says in this year the moon was eclipsed three nights before candlemas and a eaglewig the world-wide abbot of evesham died on st juliana's mass day february sixteen and in this year was the dry summer and wildfire came in many shires and burned many towns 
johnson found that a total eclipse of the moon happened in the early evening of january thirty on may five eleven ten in the reign of henry i there occurred a total eclipse of the moon during which says the anglo-saxon chronicle the moon appeared in the evening brightly shining and afterwards by little and little its light waned so that as soon as it was night it was so completely quenched that neither light nor orb nor anything at all of it was seen and so it continued very near until day and then appeared full and brightly shining it was on this same day a fortnight old all the night the air was very clear and the stars over all the heaven were brightly shining and the tree fruits on that night were sorely limped the totality occurred before midnight it is evident that this was an instance of a black eclipse when the moon becomes quite invisible instead of shining with the familiar coppery hue in eleven seventeen there were two total eclipses the first one on june sixteen and the second on december ten the latter is thus referred to in the anglo-saxon chronicle in the night of the third of the ides of december the moon was far in during a long time of the night as if it were all bloody and afterwards eclipsed the totality commenced at eleven thirty six p m it is recorded by matthew paris in connection with the death of henry i that the moon also was eclipsed the same year on the twenty ninth of july eleven thirty five these words seem to indicate a total eclipse of the moon johnson gives the date as december twenty two eleven thirty five if this is correct the text of the chronicle must be corrupt the whole eclipse was not visible in england the moon setting before the middle of the eclipse stephen had been crowned king the same day namely december twenty two on june thirty thirteen forty nine there was a total eclipse of the moon visible at london to which some interest attaches archdeacon churton connects it with the following incident the worthy archbishop bradwardine who nourished in the reign of the norman edwards and died a d thirteen forty nine tells a story of a witch who was attempting to impose on the simple people of the time it was a fine summer's night and the moon was suddenly eclipsed make me good amends said she for old wrongs or i will bid the sun also to withdraw his light from you bradwardine who had studied the arabian astronomers was more than a match for this simple trick without calling in the aid of the saxon law tell me he said at what time you will do this and we will believe you or if you will not tell me i will tell you when the sun or the moon will next be darkened in what part of their orb the darkness will begin how far it will spread and how long it will continue an eclipse of the moon which happened when columbus was at the island of jamaica proved of great service to him when he was in difficulties owing to the want of food supplies which the inhabitants refused to afford the eclipse was a total one and so far as the description goes the eclipses of april two fourteen ninety three and march one fifteen o four both respond to the recorded circumstances both were total and both occurred soon after sunset but inasmuch as in the life of columbus written by his son the incident is placed nearly at the end of the work there can be no doubt that it is the later of the above eclipses which was the one in question the story is very graphically told by sir a helps in the words following the indians refused to minister to their wants any longer and famine was imminent but just at this last extremity the admiral over fertile in devices bethought him of an expedient for re-establishing his influence over the indians 
his astronomical knowledge told him that on a certain night an eclipse of the moon would take place one would think that people living in the open air must be accustomed to see such eclipses sufficiently often not to be particularly astonished at them but columbus judged and as the event proved judged rightly that by predicting the eclipse he would gain a reputation as a prophet and command the respect and the obedience due to a person invested with supernatural powers he assembled the caciques of the neighboring tribes then by means of an interpreter he reproached them with refusing to continue to supply provisions to the spaniards the god who protects me he said will punish you you know what has happened to those of my followers who have rebelled against me and the dangers which they encountered in their attempt to cross haiti while those who went at my command made the passage without difficulty soon too shall the divine vengeance fall on you this very night shall the moon change her color and lose her light in testimony of the evils which shall be sent upon you from the skies the night was fine the moon shone down in full brilliancy but at the appointed time the predicted phenomenon took place and the wild howls of the savages proclaimed their abject terror they came in a body to columbus and implored his intercession they promised to let him want for nothing if only he would avert this judgment as an earnest of their sincerity they collected hastily a quantity of food and offered it at his feet at first diplomatically hesitating columbus presently affected to be softened by these entreaties he consented to intercede for them and retiring to his cabin performed as they supposed some mystic rite which should deliver them from the threatened punishment soon the terrible shadow passed away from the face of the moon and the gratitude of the savages was as deep as their previous terror but being blended with much awe it was not so evanescent as gratitude often is and henceforth there was no failure in the regular supply of provisions to the castaways tycho brahe observed a lunar eclipse on july seventh fifteen ninety he writes in the morning about three three slash four hours the moon began to be eclipsed in this eclipse it is notable that both luminaries were at the same time above the horizon a like case which pliny cites for the centre of the sun emerged when the moon was two degrees elevated above the western horizon and when her centre was setting the centre of the sun was elevated nearly two degrees on august sixteenth fifteen ninety eight there occurred a total eclipse of the moon observed by kepler in which during totality a part of the moon was visible and the rest invisible he says that while one half of the disc was seen with great difficulty the other half was discernible by a deep red light of such brilliancy that at first he was doubtful whether our satellite was immersed in the earth's shadow at all this is an instance of the simultaneous operation of those causes whatever they may be which result in a totally eclipsed moon being sometimes wholly invisible and sometimes entirely visible as a copper-colored disk an eclipse of the moon which happened on the morning of july sixth sixteen ten may be mentioned as having been the first to be viewed through a telescope the eclipse was only a large partial one the following record of the fact is due to tycho brahe the beginning of the eclipse of the moon as observed through the roman telescope appeared like a dark thread in contact with the shadow a description which cannot be said to be unduly explicit in sixteen twenty on june fifteen there was a total eclipse of the moon 
when during the total phase the moon was seen with great difficulty it shone moreover like the thinnest nebula far fainter than the milky way without any copper tinge about the middle of the second hour nothing at all could be seen of the moon with the naked eye and through the telescope so doubtfully was anything seen that no one could tell whether the moon was not something else it is expressively stated however that the sky was quite clear kepler also observed this eclipse and says that the moon quite disappeared though stars of the fourth and fifth magnitudes were plainly visible in this same year sixteen twenty there was on december nine another total eclipse when the moon altogether disappeared so that nothing could be seen of it though the stars shone brightly all around she continued lost and invisible for a quarter of an hour more or less this observation seems to have been made at ingolstadt wendelinus mentions the eclipse of april fourteenth sixteen twenty three in connection with the question of the visibility of the moon when totally eclipsed he says but sometimes it so far retains the light derived from the sun that you would doubt whether any part of it were eclipsed this eclipse was observed by cassendi and if the above record is correct it is the more remarkable seeing that the eclipse was not total only eleven twelfths of the moon's diameter being obscured on april twenty five sixteen fourteen on the occasion of a total eclipse hevelius noted that the moon wholly disappeared when immersed in the earth's shadow crabtree is stated by flamsteed to have observed this eclipse but he does not plainly state that he lost sight of the moon crabtree or his editor dates this eclipse for april four ferguson for april fifteen there appears to be some muddle as between old style and new style ferguson professing to be in s is evidently wrong hevelius gives the double date fifteen slash twenty five which is evidently right on june sixteenth sixteen sixty six the moon was seen in tuscany to rise eclipsed the sun not having yet set in the w on may twenty sixth sixteen sixty eight an eclipse of the moon was in progress in the early morning when the sun was seen to rise by members of the academy of sciences who were observing the phenomenon at montmartre near paris on december twenty third seventeen o three the moon when totally immersed was seen at avignon showing a ruddy light of such brilliancy that we are told it had the appearance of a transparent body illuminated by a light placed behind johnson finds that the total phase took place in the early morning and lasted from five hours thirty six minutes to seven hours twenty two minutes a m the lunar eclipse of may eighteen seventeen sixty one as observed by warginton at stockholm furnishes a remarkable instance of the invisibility of the moon on certain occasions when completely immersed in the earth's shadow the total immersion of the moon took place at ten hours forty one minutes p m the part of the margin of the lunar disk which had last entered the shadow was fairly conspicuous for five or six minutes after the immersion and to the naked eye exhibited a lustre equal to that of a star of the second magnitude but at ten hours fifty two minutes this part as well as the whole of the rest of the moon's body had disappeared so completely that not the slightest trace of any portion of the lunar disk could be discerned either with the naked eye or with the telescope although the sky was clear and the stars in the vicinity of the moon were distinctly visible in the telescope after more than half an hour's search orgentin at length discovered the whereabouts of the moon by means of a faint light 
which was visible at the eastern edge of the disk a few minutes afterwards some persons of acute vision were able to discern and the naked eye a trace of the moon looking like a patch of thin vapor but more than half the disk was still invisible an eclipse of the moon on march twenty ninth eighteen o one was observed by humboldt on board ship of the island of Baru, not far from cartagena de los indias in the caribbean sea he remarks that he was exceedingly struck with the greater luminous intensity of the moon's disk under a tropical sky than in my native north johnson makes humboldt to refer to the greater clearness of the reddened disk but these words do not appear either in the german or in the english version a total eclipse of the moon occurred on june tenth eighteen sixteen as observed by beer and madler and others the moon completely disappeared the summer of eighteen sixteen be it remembered was very wet and probably this had something to do with the moon's invisibility at the eclipse in question on october thirteenth eighteen thirty seven there happened a total eclipse of the moon of which sir j herschel and admiral w h smythe have left us interesting accounts the changes of tint both as regards times and places on the moon's disk recorded by the latter are very remarkable and the tints themselves varied very much inter sea the admiral speaks of copper sea-green neutral tint and silvery as hues visible in one part of the moon or another and at one time or another end of eclipses of the moon mentioned in history